while you're all turning there, aren't we uh, so grateful to have a, a Savior that does hold us fast in times like these? Uh, it sure makes me worry a whole lot less. I don't know about you all, but uh, so thankful for, for a loving God that holds us fast. <clears throat> all right, chapter four, Second Timothy chapter 4, uh, verses 1 through 5. Please join me. <clears throat> I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is, the, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort <clears throat> with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound. Teaching, will, uh, teaching but have, having itching ears, they, they will accumulate for themselves uh, teachers to suit their own passions. And will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into the myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, enduring suffering. Uh, do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Thanks, Josh. All right, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that we have another opportunity um, I have another opportunity to, to preach, and we have another opportunity to sit under it and to hear it, um, and we, we pray, God, that you would work in our hearts as we gather around your word, and we'll thank you for this in Christ's name, amen. Our, our text today gives, this is Paul giving Timothy and really all preachers Five things they must do. So if you're taking notes this morning, our sermon, you can, you, can, you can headline it, Five Things Preachers Must Do. That's the sermon. Five things that preachers must do. Now, perhaps you're thinking, um, great, this sermon is going to be the guys for the guys who are preachers and not really anybody else. So we've got, I mean, we've got some preachers here. Um, in the in the room, so this will be for them and not really anybody else. Um, so you're thinking, yeah, good, I can just check out, not listen. Don't do that. A couple of reasons. One, it'll hurt my feelings. I'm a very sensitive person, and if I look at you and I see that you're not paying attention, I'll I'll be offended. You don't want to you don't want to hurt my feelings. I'm I'm delicate, and then um, just slightly more importantly. Let's think about this together. The, the preaching ministry of a church is, is one of the absolute essentials for a healthy church. I, I could argue, I'm not going to do it right now, but I, I think I could argue that it is the, the top essential for the church. If you, if you don't have biblical, healthy preaching, then the rest of the stuff is probably going to fall apart. And if and if, the, the, if you do have it, then it'll bring strength and life to the rest of the parts of the church. So healthy churches have to have healthy preaching ministries. So as you listen to this sermon, this will help you. This will help you to, to know how you should pray for the preachers here at First Baptist, for the preachers in your life. It'll help you know how to pray. It'll help you to know what to listen for. It'll help you to know how to encourage I mean, if, if God ever moves you away from here, it'll, it'll help you to know what to look for. So, so while these are aimed at Timothy as a preacher, 
they're, they're helpful and they're necessary for all of us. So let's, let's dig in and let's think through five things preachers must do. Five things preachers must do. Number one, preachers must remember Jesus. Chapter 4, verse 1, Paul is talking to Timothy and he says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing and His kingdom, preach the Word. So when, when you stand up on the platform at First Baptist or, or any other church, and you open up God's Word and you preach, you, Paul is saying to preachers, you are in the presence of God. You are in the presence of Jesus Christ. God is the one who breathed out this Word. Jesus is the one who bled and died to purchase this bride. To purchase this church. Jesus is the one who will judge. I, this is not a surprise to you, and we've talked about this before. I've, I've had a lifelong battle with careless words. Um, I have one of my, one of my um, sins that I face and I fight against um, is, is carelessness with my words. Um, and I, I can't really say it's lifelong because... It was about 18 months there where I didn't really say much of anything. Um, I, I found other ways to offend people. Uh, but then, basically the last 37 and a half years or so, I have had a, a hard time controlling my words. Not being careless with my words. James 3 is talking about carelessness with words. And he begins that chapter by saying, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. This is what Paul is saying to Timothy. You're going to be judged by Jesus. In in effect, Jesus is going to say, let's see how you cared for the ones that I purchased with my precious blood. Let's see if you carefully and clearly, firmly and lovingly told them the truth. The book of Hebrews reminds pastors that they will give an account for how they watched for their people's souls. The work of preaching is done in the presence of God. It's done in the presence of Jesus Christ. The preacher's main goal is not to impress people in the room. There are are people in here who, who know the Bible. They know the Bible. It's not the preacher's job to impress those people. It's not the preacher's job to try to get people to come back the next week. To try to not offend. The the preacher's job is to remember that God is present. Jesus is going to hold Him accountable. We want a healthy church, right? So let's pray for our preachers that they will remember that, that... that they, they, they are in the presence of Jesus Christ. They are going to be judged by Jesus Christ. He purchased this bride with His blood. Pray for your preachers that they remember that. That's number one. Preachers must remember Jesus. The second thing preachers must do, preachers must preach the Word. He says, preach the Word in verse 2. Preach the Word. Every sermon should be, what does this Scripture say and what does it mean? And I, I know you're thinking, 
duh. And preach the word. That's pretty obvious. That's obvious, right? I mean, we saw last week as we wrapped up 2 Timothy 3, we saw all Scripture is breathed out by God. The, the sacred writings are able to make us wise for salvation. We can't be saved without Scripture. And Scripture is breathed out by God. It's the very Word of God. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction. It's how we are equipped for every good work. How are we going to be saved? And, and how are we going to be equipped for every good work? It's through Scripture. So yeah, obviously the preacher is going to preach the Word. What else would he preach? He's like Peter. Where else could we go, Jesus? You have the words of life. But then look at verses 3 and 4 here. Look at verses 3 and 4. This is the... This is the battle. This is the battle. This is the context that, that we preach the Word in. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. The, the idea there is, is that people don't want to hear the Word of God. One of the foundational, fundamental things about our sin nature is we don't like the truth. We don't like it. We don't want the God of the Bible. We want to have a God that we've doctored up ourselves, that we've edited, that we've photoshopped. And so there is intense pressure for preachers to, to say things that they know people will want to hear. There's, there's intense pressure to not preach the Word, but to, to be one of those teachers that, that people are just accumulating. They're piling up. Because they'll never be satisfied. They'll never be satisfied learning what suits their own passions. They'll just want more and more and more. It's tempting to be one of those preachers. I, um, I have a, 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 an illustration that is going to break down on multiple levels, but it, it'll, it'll help. It'll help for a second. Imagine, um, uh, imagine with me. Uh, this is 20 years ago, before I met my wife, um, and before I coerced her into marrying me. This is this is uh, years ago, right? And, and how she longs for that day. Anyhow, um, oh, to go back. Anyhow, uh, and I, I saw her before she saw me, and I said, hey, she's, she's kind of cute. She, you, think she would, you think she would go out with me? And my friends, being good, good friends, say, no, that's stupid. <laughs> no, aim, aim lower, Steve. I said, no, 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 I, I want to I try. She, she hasn't seen me yet. I haven't done my, my normal, really good first impression that ruins everything. We haven't, I haven't blown it yet. Do a little recon. So I get my friends to go and find out what kind of guy she likes. And they come back. And they say she doesn't like blonde guys. She doesn't like guys with blue eyes. She doesn't like guys who grew up in the city, especially Lansing. She doesn't like guys who worked at Kmart. She doesn't like University of Michigan fans. She doesn't like... She... And then they say, but besides that, I think you got a shot. <laughs> so I say, okay, fine. 
I fine, I'll I'll just change all that. I'll dye my hair, I'll get those colored contact lenses, I'll I'll change my mailing address, I'll tell my family, we just gotta move, it's fine, and just say we grew up in the country. It's fine. I can expunge Kmart from my past. I wanted to do that anyhow. I'll just do that. I'll buy a bunch of Notre Dame gear. And this is how you know this is completely imaginary. I am not forsaking the University of Michigan for anybody. I love you, but this is ridiculous. Anyhow, so this is, this is pretend land. I buy a bunch of Notre Dame gear. And then she likes me. She doesn't know the real me. But at least I have her. Okay, so that's stupid. But it is, the, it is the constant temptation for preachers. People aren't going to like the real Word of God. They're not going to like the way God has actually revealed Himself. Let's Photoshop Him. Let's doctor Him up. Let's smooth out the, the parts that people aren't going to like. Let's only preach the passages. Let's only preach the topics that we know people will be interested in. The problem with that is we are not introducing people to the actual God who is worthy of all their worship, who is worthy of all their obedience and love. We're not introducing people to the God who can actually save them and bring them home to Him forever. He's more likable, but He's only likable to people who are being driven by their sin nature, who are blind. One of the reasons I can't wait to preach the book of Numbers next. I'm going to preach the book of Numbers um, after Easter. It's because I believe that all Scripture is breathed out by God. And I know that when we dig into Numbers, we're going to find all kinds of stuff that I would not have voluntarily said. All kinds of stuff that I wouldn't be flipping through my Bible. You know what the people need to hear? They need to hear this. Because there's all kinds of stuff in there that's going to make us all kinds of uncomfortable. It's going to remind us how holy God is and how much we desperately need His grace. It's not going to be good for our ego. It's not going to suit our passions. It's not going to tickle our ears. And so by me picking a book like Numbers, it's my way of saying, God, I, I cannot, I, I cannot Bring this people what they need to hear. I absolutely must submit to you. We want your word the way you have given it to us. We want what your word has to say. This is what preachers must do. So as a church, let's pray that our preachers do this. Our preachers do this. That we preach the word. This is what you need You don't need my best ideas. You don't know, you don't need the inspirations that hit me. You don't need that. You need to hear the word of God. That's so number, number two, they must preach the word. Number three, preachers must be ready for any kind of season. Must be ready for any kind of season. Verse 2 says, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. So the the preacher is going to face all kinds of seasons. There will be times in his life when preaching is convenient. It's it's well received. He he has, you know, the week leading up to Sunday's sermon, he's got plenty of time and health and energy and everything goes pretty smoothly. You know, it's, it's going okay. 
And then there will be other times when nothing is going right. There will be times in a preacher's ministry where people are gladly hearing and receiving what the Word of God says, and then there will be other times people find the Word of God offensive. And there will oftentimes be a mixture of both at the same time. The preacher must be ready. He must be ready, and I have written down in the pulpit. I don't, I don't have a pulpit. I, what I mean is he must be ready behind the music stand or whatever. Um, he, he must be ready, ready when he's preaching the Word on Sunday morning, but he also must be ready in his daily life. So, so the preacher has to be a learner. He has to be a lifelong learner. He has to be immersing himself in the Word of God. So it's vital that every sermon that a preacher preaches, every passage that he preaches, it, it lines up with what the rest of Scripture says. You don't interpret a passage that goes contrary to the way God has revealed Himself in His Word. To, to the way God has revealed good theology and good teaching in His Word. It has to line up with the rest of the Word of God. You don't rub a cat the wrong way. I'm not going to pet a cat anyhow. But if I was, you don't rub the cat the wrong way. It has to work with how the Word of God, the rest of the Word of God is working. And so, and I have no idea what questions I'm going to face this week. This coming week. I have no idea. A couple of things hit me this week. Things I had never thought about before. And I had to think, I had to process, what does the, how does the word of, word of God inform my decisions here? How does the Word of God shape what I need to say in this situation? This confidence in the Word of God, it comes from being a lifelong learner, from committing yourself to understanding what the Word of God says and what it means. I, I have a, a legal pad so, um, so this is not. This is pretty hypocritical because I I made fun of people who have stamps, right? And then, but I still have a legal pad. So, um, you know, I'm not. I don't do all of my. I don't do all of my notes and my calendar stuff and my to do lists. I don't do them all on an iPad or on on a phone or on a computer. I do have a legal pad with a pen, ink, um, and one of the things that I have on it is one of the things I want to make time for every week is personal growth. I just want to learn something of theology, learn something of the Word of God, dig deeper into a, a theme that I don't know as well as I would like to, into a doctrine that I don't know as well as I, was, I would like to, into a book of the Bible that I don't understand as well as I would like to. Not something that I need at that moment or to get ready for a sermon, but, but just to kind of continue to build. Because there's all kinds of things I don't know. Every week I'm introduced to another thing I don't know. It's good for the, the preacher to, to be a lifelong learner. And this is something that your preachers cannot do in their own strength. This is not even something they want to do in their own strength. Pray for your preachers. Pray for them. That they will be ready in season, out of season. They'll be ready for any kind of season. Number four, the preacher must reprove, rebuke, and exhort. Right? He must, verse 2 says it clearly. You gotta be ready in season. You gotta be ready out of season. You gotta reprove, rebuke, and exhort. So you've gotta bring 
like the, the negative stuff and you have to bring the positive stuff. You, you have to reprove, but you also have to come alongside and encourage as well. Sometimes Scripture is just like dynamite. It's just there to blow up our foolish ways of thinking. And then sometimes Scripture is a, is a scalpel. It's carefully cutting out the sin in our life. And then sometimes it's like a healing ointment. It's gentle and comforting and soothing. The preacher must understand what the text is trying to do. And bring it to his people the way God wants it brought. I've sat under some preachers and they love to rebuke. Every sermon is a rebuke. I mean, I've, I've heard preachers that could take like Jesus saying, my yoke is easy and my burden is light and somehow make like a, like a rebuke out of it. Make everybody feel bad about it. They just got a knack for it. It was annoying. Some preachers only ever want to exhort. Everything's always comforting and encouraging and positive. But, I mean, 2 Timothy 3.18 says that Scripture is breathed out by God and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. It's, it's good for the, the positive and the negative. The preacher has to follow Scripture, the way God wants it brought, he has to bring it that way. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. And think with me about this for a minute. If Scripture is the Word of God, if it is the, the, the God-breathed Word to His people, then preaching is literally a matter of life and death. If Scripture is what God uses to save us, if Scripture is what God uses to make us holy, then preaching is a matter of life and death. So even if the preacher doesn't really want to rebuke people, he doesn't like that kind of, he doesn't like to do that. He doesn't like that kind of sermon. He doesn't want to do it. If that's what Scripture is doing, he's going to do it. And then when the verses of Scripture aim to exhort, to comfort and encourage, he'll do that as well. He has to. Because Scripture preaching is a matter of life and death. Preacher must reprove, rebuke, and exhort. Will you pray? Once again, will you pray for the preachers in, their li- in your life that they will have the, 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 the courage to rebuke when they need to and, and they will have the wisdom to, to exhort, to comfort, to, to encourage when they need to. And then finally, number five, the preacher must patiently teach. Reprove, rebuke, exhort, in verse 2, with complete patience and teaching. The preacher understands that he knows because because of how sanctification is working in his own life. He knows because of his own story, his own fight against sin, his own repentance, his own growth. He knows sanctification takes time. Change takes time. Growth takes time. The Word of God will do its work. It will not return empty. God will accomplish what He wants to accomplish. The preacher is just called to be faithful, to be patient, to know that God works as His Word goes forth. And sometimes it takes a while.
Um, Preaching is important to us at First Baptist. Uh, Thursday night, we were talking about what what do we want to do in response um, to coronavirus? What do we want to do? As a church, what do we want to do? How can we be careful and and yet um, a a God-honoring? How can we love our neighbor and and love God? What what are we going to do here? And so I said, and this was Thursday night, I said, Colin, let's, do, let's make sure we have live stream ready. Let's make sure we're ready to do live streaming. And he said, this Sunday? I was like, yeah, sure, why, why not? It's easy for me, I didn't do anything. Um, and he got it figured out. Friday, he did a whole bunch of research. He had smart people at Sweetwater down in Fort Wayne, like, draw him a picture, right? So to do exact, know exactly what he needs to do, the, the things he has to buy, and he, he got it set up because we want you to be able to hear the Word of God preached. We want you to be able to hear the Word of God preached. I don't know what next Sunday brings. I don't know what restrictions are going to be on us. I don't know. I want you to be able to hear the Word of God preached. I think we're going to be fine because... The rule right now is, as long as you don't have 250 people or more, you can gather. And you, I know you're wondering, why is Steve mean to people all the time? It's to keep it low. <laughs> keep that number manageable. Right? Keep that man- You're wondering, as I'm opening, for, they're thinking, why would, we, why would we unleash Steve for the opening? Why would we allow him to get up there unscripted? Why? Why did we do this? Keep the numbers low. It's working. We're under 250. You're welcome. <laughs> Can't cancel us. <laughs> oh, Anyhow. But we're going to do whatever we can um, to, 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 to make sure that you have the opportunity to hear the Word of God preached every Sunday. Because... To us, it's a matter of life and death. If, if people are going to be saved, it'll be because by God's grace, they heard and received the Word of God. If people are going to follow Jesus, if, if they're going to be holy, if they're going to be ready for every good work, it'll be because by God's grace, they heard and received the Word of God. So the, so the preacher just, with, with complete patience, teaches. He rebukes. He exhorts. He preaches and teaches with patience. He commits himself to patiently, faithfully preaching the Word. Because it is a matter of life and death. Now I want to say, I, I mean, I told you at the beginning, and chances are you disobeyed, but I told you at the beginning, because I, you know, I told you also not to shake hands, and I saw all kinds of you, especially you old people. I saw you shaking hands, almost out of spite. Anyhow, um, <laughs> I will talk to you later. Anyhow, um, no, I won't. I won't, because you might shake my hand. So, um, <laughs> I told you to pay attention. Even though this is aimed at preachers, I told you to pay attention. Some of you directly disobeyed. If that's you, I forgive you. Come back in. Come back in. Pay attention for one minute. Because here's the thing. It is a matter of life and death that I preach the word to you. It is. So I need your prayers. It is a matter of life and death that I preach the word to you. But understand this. It is a matter of life and death that you listen. You listen to the word of God being preached. 
And if, and if you're not hearing the Word of God here, go somewhere where you can hear it. If I stop preaching the Word of God, go somewhere where you can hear it. It's a matter of life and death. If you're going to endure to the end, it's because you heard and received and followed the Word of God. And to whom much is given, much is required. So if I am being faithful preaching the Word, and that is absolutely my intent, some sermons are better than others, but it is my intent to stand up on Sunday morning and to say, here's what God's Word says and here's what it means. If I am doing that, then to whom much is given, much is required. You have a responsibility to hear and to receive and to to submit to the Word of God. It's a matter of life and death for me, and it's a matter of life and death for you. And now, if you are here this morning and you've never believed the Gospel, then I want to tell you some Scripture, some of the Word of God that is absolutely a matter of life and death. Romans 3 says to us, for all, that's all of us, have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We were created to glorify God. We refused to do it. We could not do it. We would not do it. What can we do about this? Verse 24 of Romans 3 says, we are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Here is your only chance Since you are human, since you are a fallen, sinful human, here's your only chance to be justified, which means to be made right with God, to be forgiven by God, to be treated by God as if you had never sinned. In fact, as if you had the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. Here's your only chance. It's given to you by His grace as a gift. It's through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. It's when Christ Jesus died on the cross for us. He redeemed us. He paid for our sins. He brought us into His family. Verse 25 says, Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation, which is a $5 word, which which means He took all of God's wrath and anger that was aimed at us, Jesus took it, and, and He turned that into pleasure and joy and love. Jesus took the wrath that we deserve and He he set it so that all we would feel from God is not the wrath that we deserve, but but the love and the joy that Jesus deserves. He did this by His blood. Completely paid for our sins. And how, how do we receive this? We receive it by faith. Verse 25 says, all of this is to be received by faith. Believe the Word of God. Believe it. Believe it. If you've never believed it, believe it now. This is the Word of God. It's a matter of life and death. And if you have believed, then here's what we do. We're going to gather every week. And maybe that's going to be virtually. I don't know. We're going to gather every week. We're going to hear the Word of God preached. And we're going to be equipped by His grace for the lives of, of thankfulness and obedience, worship, and good works that God wants us to live. Let's pray together.
God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your word. I thank you for the opportunity to preach it. This is, I, I, don't, I don't deserve this opportunity. I am not in myself in any way worthy of this. Of this that you have given me. To, to preach the word of God. Please remind us, God, throughout the week to, to pray for the preaching ministry at First Baptist Church. Remind us to pray that, that, that the preachers who stand here in First Baptist will remember that they are going to be held accountable by Jesus for what they say. I pray that you would help us to, to, to pray that the word would be preached, that if it needs to be a rebuke or, or comfort, that we would bring what the text wants us to bring. We do so with, with patience. We'd be ready for whatever kind of season we go through. I pray, God, that you would do just great work through your word as it goes forward into First Baptist, out into the community. I pray that you would do great work. We know that your word will not return void. We pray that you would help us to be faithful with it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.